Borat may be the little tramp's evil twin, but he's also Forrest Gump's smarter brother. And he knows exactly what's in that box of chocolates and how they're making us sick. That's from Ty Burr of the Boston Globe, one of my favorite film critics. He is talking about the new Borat movie. That's right, folks. That's nice. Borat's subsequent movie film just came out on Amazon Prime this weekend, and I, like so many of you, really enjoyed it. My full review of that movie coming up, plus the Comey Rule, recommended by friend of the podcast, Rick Passmore. He said, you got to check it out. It's on Showtime. I recorded it when Showtime had their free preview. It actually debuted September 27th and 28th on Showtime, so I watched it a month later, but I did get it on the free preview. I'll give you my thoughts on that as well. A Mount Rushmore of Jeff Daniels in honor of the Comey rule. That's where we're going in that direction there. He stars as James Comey. I'll give you the best films from his career. I had a really diverse career. Been all over the place. So I want to dive into Jeff Daniels. Once again, thanks to all those for the support. 151 episodes of Cinephile. Please go to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Those looking for Scott Rogowski, Rags right now and Rags Sim are currently on hiatus I just saw him this past weekend in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey at MLB Network. We had a little Giovanni's terrific deli. You got to check it out in Secaucus. Here you're resting. Um, he's doing great. He just needs a little bit of time. He's got this new project on the go. So uh, he asked for time off, and I, as a gracious employer, paying him nothing, agreed to that. Rags time returning at some point right now is on indefinite hiatus. But Joe is still with us as always, and as always are our comments uh, that you are also kind enough to give us here on Apple Podcasts as I scroll through to see what the latest is. The Bad Guy 127, congrats on 150, thank you. Meh, meh, Adnan taking shots at Sorkin, love it. I do understand what he means by Sorkin, as his dialogues are always on a pretentious level. Thank you for the backup. Um, Poppenham69, who? I wish you got more big-time celebs to interview. I remember you had De Niro, Billy Bob Thornton, Barry Jenkins, etc. Working at the other place had its perks, but I feel you left a good impression with all your interviewees, and hopefully some would like to come back on the show. Well, listen, Poppenham69, who? Uh, if you want to give me those contacts, we'll go ahead and get them on it. Sure, we'll get De Niro on, Billy Bob Thornton, Barry Jenkins. Listen, I'll, I'll tell you the exact way this goes. We have IMDB Pro. Joe, our producer, has to go look up their uh, publicist, agent, reaches out to them. Can you come on the podcast? Either they say yes or no, and that's it. And as you said, when I was at ESPN, those four letters get you a lot of people. So we're kind of at the mercy of whatever we can do. But you mentioned Barry Jenkins. Guy is first class. Okay, During the pandemic, he reached out to me via DM. was like, hey, man, just checking. Hope everything's good. Guy's the best. So don't worry. Barry Jenkins will definitely get on Cinephile again. He has been working on the Underground Railroad. He, uh, I would have to check my DMs, but I believe he told me he had done like 97% of it pre-pandemic, and then he was finishing up shooting, and that's going to be coming out at some point. So don't worry. You want your big stars, Oscar-winning director like Barry Jenkins, guy made Moonlight, he will be back on Cinephile at some point. Uh, and then Yobel won Cinephile, a unique podcast about film. The host reflects on all aspects at a breakneck speed. We'll often name-check films and filmmakers of the past and their influence on contemporary cinema. Even if you don't like the film being reviewed, the recommendations are always saw will most likely be worth a viewing. May not always agree with this take in a movie. It will always be thoughtful and educated criticism. Well, that's very, very nice of you. Thank you, Yoball One and everybody here subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Let's keep Cinephile alive and keep it strong. Let's hope that we can keep alive until there's a new Borat movie. Yeah, maybe there's a third movie in the works because 14 years after the first one, Sasha Baron Cohen has lost none of his edge. The new film is absolutely hysterical. It is profane. It is um, vicious towards the right and uh, all those being duped. And if you're Rudolph Giuliani, there is no way you come out of this mess looking good as he clearly, clearly 
is hitting on a woman who in the movie is supposed to be Borat's daughter, who they say is 15, isn't actually 15, but I don't know how the hell Giuliani could try to spin that he wasn't up to no good in that scene. That's why I'm very careful, though, here in my review, because I don't really want to give away anything. It is such a funny movie. Uh, I want all of you to enjoy it, unadulterated. I will only give a few nuggets here and there. The, the comic material is so fertile. And, and I'm watching it thinking, you know, how can these people fall for this again? But then you have to remind yourself, well, it's been 14 years since the original Borat. Most people are not as pop culture savvy as you and I. He's going to these rural areas in the South. He's interrupting these Republican rallies and singing songs like denigrating Obama and saying, chop him up like the Saudis do. Like These people are not watching the Ali G show like you or I may. So they're not, they're not thinking in their heads, oh, wait, what if this guy is Sasha Baron Cohen showing up? Right? Like you, you just see some yokel showing up and he's got a, you don't think to yourself, oh, he's got a fake beard and he's wearing a fat suit and those clearly aren't his overalls. Like, no, he's whatever. He's one of the members here. He's pro Trump. He's anti Democrat, anti liberals. Away we go. There's a scene in the fertility clinic that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I mean, I watched the movie. I'm giving it three and a half Maple Leafs. I highly recommend it. It's the funniest movie of the year. But that scene in the fertility clinic, you know when you're watching a movie and you go, I can't wait to watch that again. That's how I feel like right now. I'm giving my review to all of you, but as soon as I'm done, I'm going to go back and watch a few of these scenes again because I was howling. I mean, the first 30 minutes in particular, I thought were so funny and so sharp. And, um, you know, at, at times some of his material can be you think too scripted or too outlandish. I mean, listen, you're going to get some male nudity. You're going to get talk about pubis. You're going to get talk about anus. I mean, it's definitely going to be outrageous and R-rated. But the level of comedy with which he's giving, it's not just sight gags and proving how stupid these morons are. It's like insult comedy to a next level. It is Chaplin-esque in many ways. And I just think the biggest thing I admire about Sasha Baron Cohen is his fearlessness. Like, he's going into disguise, into some territories that you can tell, this is going to get messy. This is going to get ugly. Like, I'm amazed he doesn't get beaten up or shot at with the stuff he's able to get from these people. But scene after scene, I'm laughing. And, I mean, he's obviously one of the great satirists of our time and mocking how people can view women as second-class citizens, you know, the level of anti-Semitism in the world. Like, he's using comedy to bring about all these very, very serious issues. But he does indeed risk life and limb for his comedy. He's amazing, but so is Maria Bakalova. I mean, he even said she should get an Oscar nomination, and I agree. She is fantastic as Tutar Sagdeev, the very naive daughter of Borat, who is being taught by an Instagram influencer that you have to be weak to appeal to men, and she's willing to do that just, you know, as long as she can get what she wants in the end, which is a big sugar daddy, a rich old man like Uncle Donald. Uh, clearly, this is going to be for one side of America, and if you're on the other side of America, you're not going to enjoy this, but... Honestly, I found it to be a laugh riot. Robert Levin of Newsday. What we get instead of the familiar indictment of garden variety casual racism is a blistering summation of what might be deemed the alternative facts era. Even Sasha Baron Cohen's journey I find fascinating. You know, rather than discuss the movie in detail because I don't want to spoil it for you, I just think about his life. This is a guy, went to Cambridge, you know, obviously a very elite school, studied there like in the, in the theater arts program, which is where Monty Python did. He ended up going to France to like this clown school, which his wife also did, Isla Fisher. She says she learned nothing from clown school. He says he learned everything from clown school. Like there's like this renowned clown guy in Paris. That's where he went to. He obviously achieves huge fame, not only with the Ali G show, but also with his movies like Borat and Bruno. And then films like The Dictator and Grimsby don't work out nearly as well. Now he's returned more to television. You know, Who is America? 
the spy, which was a rare dramatic role for him. I love the fact that not only has he been with Aaron Sorkin, as previously reviewed, The Trial of Chicago 7, but also the great Martin Scorsese. He's fantastic in Hugo, one of Marty's terrific movies, and one rare one that he made, which is for kids, made for his daughter, as he said, Francesca. If you haven't seen it, Sasha Baron Cohen plays the you know, Peter Sellers-type train conductor, which is just fantastic. How many people can say they are ridiculing America, they're bringing out laughs per minute, but also working with Martin Scorsese and Aaron Sorkin? And uh, again, I don't like to get too political, although this is going to be a very political podcast. We're also going to talk about the Comey rule. But Donald Trump naturally uh, voiced his opposition to Sasha Baron Cohen, said he's not funny, he never got me, to which Sasha Baron Cohen tweeted back, I don't find you funny either. You're a racist buffoon, and if you want a job, you can be in my next movie because you're going to need one January 20th. Wah, wah, wee! That's nice. Joe, your thoughts on Borat's subsequent movie film, as I said, Three and a Half Maple Leafs. I thought it was very, very funny. I thought it was really funny, and I, I was kind of nervous that it was going to be... You know when Dumb and Dumber 2 T.O. came out? I was so excited for that movie. Love Dumb and Dumber. And it just fell really flat. I was really nervous that this was going to happen. But to your point, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen has this kind of humor that I think either you're born with or you're trained. Like, I guess in this clown school, that's just so shameless to, like, push people's buttons and to go as far as you possibly can with that. I don't have that kind of humor to make people uncomfortable and... And so I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Was there a scene, not to talk about it in too much detail, but was there a part that really made you feel uncomfortable or just that was so awkward that you're like, I cannot believe he pulled this off? Yeah, I'll give you three of them. The Giuliani scene, um, the fertility dance was unbelievable. And then that scene where they're trying to get an abortion talking to the pastor. I mean, those three in particular, I, I'm laughing through my uh, fingers because it's so cringeworthy. You know, again, it's a descendant of some of what Ricky Gervais's humor is, but also my man Gary Shandling. You know, in Judd Apatow's brilliant documentary, The Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling, he interviews Sasha Baron Cohen, who cites Gary Shandling as one of his comedic mentors, because he said in England, they have BBC One, which had a lot of more, you know, traditional shows like EastEnders, and then BBC Two. And he said that was the more edgy show, and the edgy channel, excuse me, and that's where he saw the Larry Sanders show. And he loved Shandling, and he loved how uh, awkward <laughs> he could make humor set in those situations, and that in many ways inspired him. So you're right. I think he's he's got a gift for bringing out humor in unbelievably uncomfortable situations. And like I said, he's just fearless, ultimately. That's, that's I think, his greatest gift. He'll do anything for the comedy. 100% agree. And he's been doing it throughout his whole career. The Ali G Show. Uh, did you watch Who is America on Showtime when that was out? I didn't. I heard it was excellent. Did you see it? Oh, it's so incredibly funny. At one point, he gets Dick Cheney to sign a, a water torture device. <laughs> Which is, I'm, I'm just thinking, how did you how did you get the former vice president to do this? And Dick Cheney literally remarks, he goes, you know, I've never signed one of these before. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. He doesn't break character. I mean, there's there's moments where people are getting angry that I'm like, okay, okay, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm just a comedian. Like, I, the fact, like, think of Jimmy Fallon, how pathetic he is. He always used to break character on SNL, which would piss off all the other cast members because literally you're just trying to draw the last for yourself. Like, be, be a thespian here, okay? Stay in the character. The fact that Sasha Baron Cohen never breaks character, even though clearly there's situations where violence could be inflicted upon him. Like, the amount of, like, strap-ons he's wearing in this movie, like, it's just on the, the mankini with the masks. I'm like, geez. Like, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know how he does it, but uh, I highly recommend it. I thought it was scorchingly funny and definitely eviscerated a, a large segment of the population. 
Speaking of that segment of the population, they get more of a treatment here in the Comey Rule. Starring Emmy winners Jeff Daniels as former FBI Director James Comey and Brendan Gleeson as President Donald J. Trump. Trump is an immersive behind-the-scenes account of the historically turbulent events around the 2016 presidential election and its aftermath, which divided a nation. So, again, I wasn't big on it. Passport told me to watch it. Uh, It's obviously got stars, so I get seduced by stars. And there's a free preview on Showtime, but let's get this out of the way. Uh, I don't want you guys to see it. It was a disappointment, okay? It's three and a half hours, and I just found it bland. And here's the biggest problem. Like, James Comey, I'll give him credit for this. Everybody hates him. Like, everybody dislikes James Comey. The left hates him because he releases those emails and the this, this scandal of Hillary Clinton, which was so absurd, and that helps Trump win the election. The right hates him because they're like, Comey kept bringing up Russia and this investigation of Trump, which was hearsay and nonsense. So nobody likes this guy, okay? And then he writes a book, and it's a best-selling book, after he's fired, and now he gets it adapted into a movie, and Billy Ray who's a writer and director, talented guy, Captain Phillips, fantastic performance from Tom Hanks. You know, he tells James Comey when he meets him, he's like, hey, by the way, it's your fault that he's in power, right? Comey's like, what? He's like, no, I just want me to make this clear. Like, I'm making this movie, but it's your fault. Like, Hillary would have won, and then you drummed up this email nonsense, and it's your fault. Comey's like, all right, well, if you need to be a consultant on the film, let me know. The good news for him is he has Jeff Daniels playing him, who always seems to have uh, that sense of integrity about him. That's what we're going to do that Mount Rushmore, Jeff Daniels, later here on Cinephile. He plays the gargantuan James Comey. Look, Comey still has a few inches on him. Jeff Daniels is a big guy. Huge Red Wings fan from Detroit. I think he's maybe 6'4". James Comey's 6'8". But Daniels at least has that presence, and he always comes across as being a guy who's very idealistic. But while watching this, I kept thinking, this is Comey trying to present himself as hero, and he's not a hero. I think he's a doofus. Uh, he's trying to present himself as this tragic figure. What's the tragedy? Like, you're, you screwed up on both sides. Nobody likes you. Why am I watching this? Like, how can I watch this and be sympathetic to the lead when I'm not sympathetic to the lead? I think, like I said, he screwed up in more ways than one, and he's a buffoon in a lot of ways. And so I'm not going to have any interest in watching this hagiography hey, in which I'm supposed to believe that James Comey is actually a really good guy and is somehow misled. Like, I just, the, the premise of it is flawed enough. More to the point, the first half of this isn't even interesting or stimulating. What's interesting is, of course, Brendan Gleeson playing Donald J. Trump. And I don't think he has the voice down. Brendan Gleeson's Irish, by the way. Loved him in Gangs in New York. Um, but he's got this certain presence of Trump. Like, he's playing Trump as a mobster who believes in bullying and intimidation. And I think he nails that part of it. And the way he gets the lips, I mean, that's, that's the biggest part of the impressions, whether it's Alec Baldwin or whomever. It's like, okay, I'm just trying to tell you what I'm telling you right now. It's so great, so huge. We're doing a wonderful job. Like, it's always with those lips that are just puckered out. And like I said, the voice kind of goes in and out. But and he, he doesn't particularly look like Trump. Like, my buddy Bredos texts me. He goes, this is hysterical seeing these promos. This guy doesn't look like Trump. But listen, sometimes there's a little bit of suspension of belief. He doesn't have to look exactly like Trump. He's got the long tie. He's a little overweight. They do what they could with the hair. Like, hey, you know what? Just get the essence of the guy. You know, I love the movie Nixon. I don't think Anthony Hopkins particularly looks like Richard Nixon, but I thought it was a great film by Oliver Stone because he captured the essence of Dick Nixon. And so in this movie, I think Gleason actually does a more than credible job of capturing the essence of Trump. And if anything, he's the most watchable part of the movie. But they treat him like Jaws. Like, you know, it's, he's the shark at bay. So the whole first two hours, you're waiting for him to show up. And then he does come in. And even then, it's a supporting role. So honestly... Here's the other problem with the, with the whole thing. We're still living this right now. Like, I would find the Comey rule perhaps more interesting if it was five, ten years from now, right? Just as Borat gave us a little bit of time to show us where America is right now and what a perilous state we still are in, therefore it gains 
more nuance and more power. We're still living in this era. So to me, I have no interest in seeing the Comey rule because you're reporting on facts that happened a couple of years ago, but we're still very much in this quagmire. Maybe if it's 10 years later, when you have the benefit of history and you can look at the way the world has changed, then I would find it more fascinating. But there's no doubt, I'm sure for people, it's going to have a topical interest. But overall, I would describe it as a clunky and melodramatic. I'm going to give it two Maple Leafs. Didn't think the guy who played Obama was very good either. Kingsley Ben-Adir, he's only in one scene. Uh, Stephen Pasquale, who I love from Rescue Me, he's in the movie. Holly Hunter, could have used more of Holly Hunter. Passman would agree with that. Jonathan Banks, who I love, by the way, from Better Call Saul, he's in the... Yeah, that was one of the things I was happy about. I'm like, oh, Jan- Jonathan Banks is in this. All right. He plays James Clapper. And the guy who plays Ryan's Priebus is hilarious because he comes across as this just completely annoying sycophant. Um, and the guy who plays Flynn is good. Uh, William Sadler's pretty good. I mean, the, the casting's good. I mean, listen, I, I, I like the casting. I just think in terms of subject material... For three and a half hours, I've tried to present James Comey as some sort of idealistic, flawed hero. No thanks. Two Maple Leafs. Joe? You know, the, for Brendan Gleeson and Donald Trump, I, I, I think that you're right. Like, that seems like such a hard role to nail because you can really, it's so easy to cross that line to where it just becomes, um, you know, over the top or overblown or overdone. It's easy to, to embellish that accent even further. Um you're right. That that was kind of the turnoff to me because we are going through an election right now, and I don't necessarily want to watch a movie about the last election. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a perfect way of saying it. Like we're still very like you know hindsight's twenty twenty. You want to look back at the past. We're still in it. Like I don't. Why do I want to look back yet? Like let me let me look back later when there's a little bit of distance. Um, and, I, and a lot of this, like I can't imagine you. Even if you have a tangential understanding of politics and current events, which I do, by the way, I have a rudimentary understanding. As everybody knows, I care about movies and sports, and that's it. I really don't follow politics with the uh, amount of insatiable appetites that many people do watching uh, Fox News or MSNBC. Like, I barely watch any cable news here. But I know enough of the facts that watching the Comey Rule, there's not much that was actually revelatory to me. Like, if anything, I remember when the Comey Rule excerpts came out, the big takeaway is that Trump was just obsessed with the Russia stuff. And he was like... You know, Comey's trying to talk to him about policy, and Trump just keeps saying, hey, can you believe this Russia crap? Like, you got to take care of this, man. Like, they, they, everyone thinks that Ivanka thinks I like golden showers. And Comey was just appalled. Like, listen, I, I'm not investigating you about a bunch of hookers in Russia. Like, I don't care about that. We're focusing on whether or not Russia colluded with the election. And, and he's like, they, they're completely talking in two different, two different spheres. I mean, the best scene is when they're having dinner, and Trump is, ba- again, like a mobster, is telling, listen, I demand loyalty. I want loyalty here, Jim. And Jim's like, well, I'm going to give you honesty. He's like, yeah, like I said, I want loyalty. And he's like, you got it. Honest loyalty. That's what I can do for you. Like you can tell it's two people talking on alternative tracks. And that's a very good scene showing why there is going to be a disconnect between Comey and Trump. But literally the amount of times he talks about golden showers, and he's like, do, you, do I look like a guy who needs prostitutes? He's like, you know, Putin told me the best prostitutes are in Russia. They're, un- they're unbelievable, but I don't need them. Why would I need them? Look at me. You know, the people who try to try to draw cases against me, they're jealous. I can get any woman I want. Why would I need to go to prostitutes? Why would I get golden showers? Like, that's all he keeps telling James Comey about. Comey's like, okay, I got it, dude. Don't care about that. Care more about electoral process and what a fraudulent person you may or may not have been. That's my job here as the FBI director. Um, so anyways, it was, uh, it was a disappointment. Here's some reviews for you. Darren St. Felix, the chief irritant of the show, is the knee-jerk splicing of the dramatic action with cable news footage. I actually had no issue with that. I kind of like that. Like, <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I disagree with Doreen. There's sequences where they're talking about Russia, and then they have you know, Don Lemon talking about it, or Chris Cuomo, or um, you know, any number of people. Chris Wallace. I actually thought that was kind of interesting, because that did show to me 
what was happening behind the scenes and how it was actually translating minute by minute on the air. In fact, when Comey finds out he's fired, I don't know if this is true, but he's addressing some subservience and they look over his shoulder and they see CNN saying, and the huge headline, Trump fires Comey. I mean, talk about a way to find out you've been fired. I've been fired. It is a terrible thing to have happen, to have it happen on national television. Not good. Matthew Gilbert, the Boston Globe, the two-part series tells the story without the benefit of perspective. It has none of the artfulness and consideration that can lift a political story above its specifics into something wiser and more rooted in human nature. And Laura Miller as well, at its best, the Comey rule is a horror film, and the monster is Donald Trump, played by Brendan Gleeson with a gruff manliness that's almost, but not quite flattering, to the whiner-in-chief. All right, that's the news when it comes to the Comey rule. Entertainment news, including the demise of the streaming service Quibi and whether the latest James Bond movie will be sold to Netflix. Plus, the Mount Rushmore Jeff Daniels film and TV roles next. Oh, man, Quibi. Are you kidding me? This is one of the most colossal disasters of our lifetime. Quibi, which stands for Quick Bites, is now Sayonara, the app that staked its future on short videos. That's right, appealing to all those of you with short attention spans. Rather than watch a 22-minute sitcom or a 44-minute dramatic series, how about just an eight-minute show? Like, what a brutal idea, terrible execution, and an absolute unmitigated disaster. Co-founders Jeffrey Katzenberg, Meg Whitman. That's right, Katzenberg used to run Disney. Guy's a mess. Quibi's board decided to shutter the company and return the remaining cash to investors, plans to seek one or more buyers in assets. Struggled after launching during the pandemic. No kidding. A mobile-only streaming service launched in April by Katzenberg, a Hollywood veteran, and Whitman, a Silicon Valley powerhouse. Mobile videos and series cut into bite-sized segments shorter than 10 minutes. 1.3 million users within a month of launching. That's a tiny portion of the 50 million and 183 million users Disney Plus, Netflix had at the time, respectively. And many of those people, by the way, were in the 90-day free trial period. Mediocre content reviews, departure of its head of brand. This lost $1.75 billion. Think about that. Nearly $2 billion in funding from investors, including Disney and courted top talent like Steven Spielberg and Jennifer Lopez. This is one of the biggest, God, tire fires of all time. Quibi's done, Joe. Do you know anybody who was into Quibi? No, no, not at all. I would see the uh, random subway ad or the random commercial on TV, and that's it. I don't know a single person who subscribed to it, who even got the free trial, and it seemed like anyone could get a show on there. I, I do remember seeing a few shows that were just like terrible team dramas. What about you? Did you have any interest in it? No interest. Didn't know one person that did it. I read The Hollywood Reporter, so I was aware of it, but... Yeah, just, just a mess from start to finish. Unlike short-form videos from YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, Quibi's pitch to consumers with that offered content created with big production budgets similar to major series. Well, that was the problem. They spent a ton of money on these little shows, and clearly no one was watching. Speaking of big time, uh, James Bond, No Time to Die, explored a $600 million sale to streaming services. How about that? I mean, listen, I can't wait to watch a new James Bond film. Uh, originally slated to debut last April. Film's release been postponed multiple times, moving back to November. Uh, MGM reported lost between 30 to 50 million due to the delays. 
And there was talk about a deal of roughly $600 million for the movie, but that was a price tag that was deemed too rich for two of the free spending streaming services. Think about that. You think the streamers will spend everything? Well, no, we're not going to spend $600 million for a new James Bond film. I mean, listen, movies like Greyhound, Coming to America, Without Remorse, they're finding places on streaming. Greyhound, which I reviewed previously, Tom Hanks' film, Coming to America, coming out in December, I believe, on Amazon. Like, there's big money these streamers are willing to pay. They're not going to pay $600 million for Bond. When, when is No Time to Die now coming, Joe? Do we know? I'm sure it's coming in 2021. It was, it's coming in 2021. I, I forget if it's in the spring or in fall of next year. But if I had to bet my money, I would say fall. All right. One more story here to pass along. Rather than Moon River, how about Moon Knight? Oscar Isaac. I mean, this is an interesting actor. Remember early on, people see kind of like a young Pacino, a little bit like in Cruising. Isaac setting his sights the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Deadline hearing he's in negotiations to star as a title character in Moon Knight, the Marvel and Disney Plus series based on the comic book hero. Moon Knight, a.k.a. Mark Spector, is a mercenary who has numerous alter egos. Cabby Jake Lockley, a millionaire playboy Stephen Grant, in order to better fight the criminal underworld. Later, he was established as being a conduit for the Egyptian moon god Hansu. Most recently, the character was a consultant who dresses in all white and goes by the name Mr. Knight. Marvel and Disney Plus looking for a director to attach. I just think he's an interesting actor, Joe. This guy's worked with the Coen brothers. He's obviously been part of the Star Wars uh, family. Uh, you know, I feel like he wants to be one of these like, critically acclaimed you know, actors you appreciate, like a Jake Gyllenhaal, maybe a Ryan Gosling. But then he makes these like, big tentpole movies. Like, yeah, what the hell? I'm going to go ahead and be a big old movie star. Oscar Isaac in Moon Knight. Yeah, it, it, he is an interesting actor and he he's someone who i think i'll watch in anything just to check him out you know what no matter what kind of movie it is big budget small budget um i loved him in ex mahina as well so i I will definitely check this out what about you Uh, ex machina dance sequence alone absolutely fantastic yes i'm also a fan of oscar isaac also a fan of jeff daniels mount rushmore jeff daniels next Mount Rushmore. All right, when you look at Jeff Daniels, this is an actor who can thrive not only in film and television, but also the stage. You know, people, he drew raves for his performance in To Kill a Mockingbird as Atticus Finch, Aaron Sorkin's reboot. Even The Newsroom was not a good show. I mean, it was, it's a tough show to get through because it's just so much Sorkin ease. But the first episode is fabulous. And he's a really talented actor, the way he delivers all those monologues. And he's a real gift. And it's Amazing to think about because this is the guy from Dumb and Dumber, the famous toilet scene, taking the diuretic. And yes, Dumb and Dumber, of course, is going to be the Mount Rushmore of Jeff Daniels. But he's a guy who's got some uh, verbal and uh, dramatic chops to him as well. Terms of Endearment, early film of his, which I actually saw for the first time a year or two ago. He was very good in that. Listen, he's made a lot of movies, okay? My favorite, Martian, Pleasantville, Trial and Error, you name it, Bloodwork, The Hours, Gods and Generals. My next choice, though, is Gettysburg. Which, again, at the time, my brother's huge in the Civil War, so is my dad. This movie came out in 1993. And I don't remember if I was completely struck by it entirely. I was 15 years old. Like I said, it was a little long. But he, is, as Chamberlain, was absolutely outstanding. Because he is this character who has this real keen-eyed insight and a real genuine decency. And a guy who's trying to do good in a time of war. And if you ask me about Gettysburg, I don't remember a ton about Martin Sheen as Robert E. Lee, 
But I can tell you, Jeff Daniels stole the show in Gettysburg as Colonel Joshua Chamberlain. He's fighting for the North, and uh, his performance is outstanding. So there's two so far, Dumb and Dumber and Gettysburg. Another one, and I loved his performance in this movie. I love the movie, The Squid and the Whale. Noah Baumbach's film, again, the criticism with Baumbach is a lot of his films are just autobiographical. Like, oh, you made Marriage Story? Let me guess, you went through a divorce. Oh, what, what a surprise. You're a movie director and you made Adam Driver's character a theater director. Oh, and she's an actress because you were also dating an actress in Jennifer Jason Lee. Like, you just creep from your own life and that's what you turn into art. Well, in the case of Squid and the Whale, he was an adolescent who went through a very painful divorce and he illustrated that for the big screen. And whether or not it's original or not, the bottom line is this, I thought it was very uh, funny and very biting. Remind me in many ways of the best of Wes Anderson. And Daniels in particular, playing the father, one of these intellectuals who is typified in the scene where the teenager says to him, Dad, me and, me and whatever the girl's name is, we're going to go see Short Circuit. And he says, well, I'll come too, but let's go see Blue Velvet. Like, I, I, I must have laughed for five minutes. I said, that is so funny. Let's go, the kids just want to go see Short Circuit, okay? They just want to see, uh, you know, a robot talking and stuff. No, no, Blue Velvet. Nice, pretentious film with David Lynch. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the kind of pompous movie that a professor like this would want to watch. Uh, so that is my third choice, The Squid and the Whale. As far as the final choice, again, I kind of feel like I should get something from television in there. Uh, you know, The Looming Tower, Family Guy, The Newsroom. But again, I, I don't know if any of those are really strong enough. I mean, I kind of feel like I want to get The Newsroom in there, only because, again, I thought his performance was very good. I don't think the rest of the film was as strong. Um, but like I said, I, in essence, I'm going to just... I'm going to just go ahead and go with Terms of Endearment because I said it was an early film of his, so I will recognize that. And again, I thought his character was good and it is an Oscar winner. But I, I don't actually have a very strong choice for a fourth one. I mean, I, like I said, the newsroom, he was good in, but the show isn't good, so I can't reward it. So my Mount Rushmore of Jeff Daniels is Gettysburg, Dumb and Dumber, Squid and the Whale, and Terms of Endearment. And how about an honorable mention to Arachnophobia? Joe? I love arachnophobia. This is a great time of year to watch it, too. Um, I'm going to, well, I, I'll, immediately I'll back you up on Dumb Dumber. That is a must of any of his roles. It has to go on. I will throw on Newsroom, even though I agree with you. I really liked season one. I thought it started to drop off after season two. But if we're doing roles, just roles, then I will put Newsroom on because he carried that show. I also have The Squid and the Whale. I haven't seen it in years, but I really enjoyed it when I watched it. Um, Jesse Eisenberg. and You're right. I didn't realize that Noah Baumbach had, has been doing divorce movies before marriage stories, so there's something there. But then my fourth one will go. I'll go with 1998, Gary Ross directed Pleasantville where he plays the diner soda pop guy and he you know he learns to to yearn for something more let's say i really like that movie so mine are dumb and dumber newsroom squid in the whale and pleasantville i like it good choices there you know what if you're going by rule alone i back you up on the newsroom that's a very good choice there to get in there for the mount rushmore all right thank you so much for checking out cinephile as always go to apple podcast subscribe rate and review you can always get in touch with me by tweeting at cinephile pod or admin sferk we'll be back next week with plenty more reviews and until then enjoy borat and i'll see you at the movies <laughs>